Bonjour, people. Welcome to another episode of I'm Afraid It's Terminal, the podcast where we talk about would you rathers and would you questions and hypotheticals, um, which ironically enough, people have also been doing on the internet. So I guess this this shit belongs. And the first would you rather question that we've got for you today is, drum roll, would you date a Somalian? As those stupid videos would say. Uh, now, the problem I have with these videos, guys, right? I understand that there are stupid people in the world. They exist. They are everywhere. There's childish people. You know, they're, they're there. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Like, it's a given. There's going to be trolls. There's going to be people that are going to say daft things. But the issue is, you probably, you, you might probably press this because it said, would you rather, would you date a Somalian in, in the title? Isn't it? But because we are given this shit, clout we are giving this shit attention because i'm i'm actually part of the problem i'm speaking about this because we are speaking about this it is an issue and it is it's is gaining attention and that's where it's growing up from it's it's blowing up because uh, we are the ones that are quote tweeting it on twitter and on instagram reposting it re-uploading it you were literally going through the 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 trouble of downloading a video uploading it onto twitter and putting a caption on there just i don't know why i don't know what the reasoning is behind you that is that is free promo if I've ever seen it. I've got their names onto there. Their their whole shit will just literally blow up because you did that. And you think you're out here raising some sort of, uh, I mean, uh, what's it called? P- putting people's attention towards something bad that's going on. Really and truly, you are helping people who, at the same time, you are hating. Do you know what I'm saying to you? So it doesn't make any sense. So you just take a step back, think about this stuff before we comment on it and before we we literally interact with this kind of stuff um, and before we comment on the YouTube videos because the reason why people upload it is because they know it will trigger you. They know that this shit is triggering to people. They know that we, we will sit here and discuss. People even do it on Twitter. I can't even lie to you. When, when someone wants to get at a group of people, they'll be like, oh, let me just, there's Somalis and there'll be my mentions for, for the next... 24 hours and I think they on purpose right Somalians instead of Somalis as well just just, just so that we uh, we're always in here sliding and we're like no it's not actually it's Somali it's 2018 you lot are still saying Somalian but yeah I think the best way to do this shit the best way to deal with this stuff is how you deal with people like Katie Hopkins people like Tommy Robinson if if you cannot hear them and if you ignore them they don't exist they feed off attention they are attention whores if you will so don't give them any attention and they will they will starve of their oxygen they need that shit to breathe so um yeah let's, let's stop giving these people clout on a lighter and more festive i don't know if you can call it a festivity but it's black history month i don't know if people actually celebrate black history you know i found out recently black history is actually on a different day it's in february in uh, in america and it's October for us. So I've always wondered, like, the thing is, I never actually noticed it. So every time Black History Month rolls around here and then a few months later, it's in America and they're talking about Black History Month. I'm like, I feel like we just had one, but it must have been a year. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I never I never gave it much thought. But yeah, there's two different Black History Months. But really and truly, you'd imagine that there should be one Black History Month in it. But yeah, anyway, I mean, yeah, Black History Month, that's, that's, uh, that's where we're up to. And, you know, I found out recently there was actually a considerable population of Muslim slaves uh in the transatlantic slave trade so a lot of these people were actually muslims and a lot of the revolts and a lot of the the stand-ups were were being organized by the muslim slaves that were being held to the point that people were trying to actually celebrate uh, separate them and say you know what let's try and get a little amount of muslim slaves over here because these men are causing a shitload of trouble and even in places like haiti and uh, a lot of caribbean islands they did the same stuff so it's, it's really cool do you get me there's a, there's a lot of 
Muslim history behind what people currently do today in America and what, what's considered black, African-American, if you will, what's considered African-American culture. A lot of it stems from, obviously, it's, it would be a melting pot of like different cultures and different you know, people that have been brought over to America. Um, but yeah, there is a big foundation of Muslim influence in there because a lot of these people were, yeah, as I said, Muslim. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to hold on to, to Dean, obviously, because the white man, the slave owners, they, they had other ideas and they used to try and whip people and try and get them to stop praying. But but there's various accounts of like people praying. So certain slave owners would be like, you know, I've got a slave who... Uh, five times a day, this guy faces a certain direction and he's always praying. Um, and they were they were impressed at how devout people could be. Uh, there's even like museums and stuff that you can go and check out. Probably if you live in the US, unfortunately, we don't have them things over here. We have got, I think there is a slavery museum in Liverpool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because like people kind of talk about it like it's, we had this group of people and there was absolutely no uprising and they were all the same and they were all very timid and then no it was very different people came from different social economical backgrounds everyone had their own various different cultures and religions that they came with i mean the whole idea of countries in africa and 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 africa in general i was speaking to someone about it recently it's it's um, a thing that is quite recent in a lot of places, although, yes, there is this land and that land and, and, you know, in this land, Nigerian people live, in this land, Somali people live, in this land, those kind of people live. Yes, that did exist. There wasn't any rigid borders. There wasn't any any kind of unity in, in the sense of it being a country and we are operating as a country in most of the continent. It was just like, it was just like, you know, um, kind of smaller communities of people um actually that's a lie i think i think certain countries were only like that somalia was one of them um other countries ran like a kingdom-based thing but the borders are always like as i said they're fluid they're moving around there isn't any rigid kind of line um this could be your land this year and next year someone else's and then a year after that someone else comes in and invades granted it's by war but you know shit then like stuff doesn't really change nowadays isn't it it is what it is here's the line if you literally like, it's crazy how the whole, the whole concept of like you can step one meter this way and you are in this country and you can step a meter this way and you're in another country which is kind of mad um and the country probably don't even love you which is kind of like the story of joe lewis so he's a famous boxer so i was i was listening to the story of joe lewis by uh, this boxing coach is a guy called Teddy Atlas. And this guy was, a, he's been a boxing coach for the last like 30 or 40 years. Comes from quite a wealthy family, a wealthy background. Decided to go into boxing. A dang guy, isn't it? White guy. Um, and he's talking about, there was a fight that happened recently between these two guys called Canelo Alvarez and the other guy was called Triple G. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, where he's, he's from Kazakhstan. Quality fighter. This guy's had 300 amateur fights as a kid from when he was about 11 years old or 12 years old. His older brothers used to throw him out onto the streets and make him fight grown ass men, like 20, 25 year old men at 14 years old. And my man is literally like, I went into a bit of a tangent here, but this guy is literally, he's. He's in brick wall. Like he, he took one of the hardest punches I've probably seen on TV from Canelo in the previous fight. And the guy didn't like it was like nothing happened to him. He just carried on. Like he barely blinked. Do you know what I'm saying to you? The guy was he's an absolute he's built like a brick shit house. Um but yeah, going back into this, um he was talking about that fight, right? And um the guy that was with him, the guy that was interviewing him was saying, Oh, what a great fight that was. And he said, Yeah, it was a good fight. 
it wasn't a great fight. He's like, oh, what do you mean? Why are you being a hater? He's like, oh, listen, the whole idea, the whole thing about boxing has changed completely. So boxing, if you go back 100 years, it was the biggest sport on the planet, bigger than football, bigger than anything. When there was a boxing match on, sometimes, a lot of the times, it was actually, it was more than just boxing. It was about life, okay? So you had these people that come from a background, especially most boxers were, were poor, do you get me? They don't come from backgrounds of privileges and they don't come from, from, from rich places. And they get punched in the face for a living so that they can put something yeah. on the table for their family so that they can provide for people. And the problem with boxing, well, not the problem, but the thing that makes it noble, the thing that makes it more than just... Because uh, a lot of people tend to just stand there and say, ah, oh, it's just two guys knocking the shit out of each other. It's more than that because when two, pe when two people meet in, in a ring and they box, what's happening is he is giving up, if you will, his health in the future and his well-being and shit to try and win as much as he can, to try and put as much on the table as he can because once he gets to 35, once he gets to 40, whatever age it is that you're retiring, it might be, it might prove very difficult to make any sort of living for yourself. I mean, we all know how battered and bruised Muhammad Ali was by the time he was 60. And a lot of people say that's because he carried on boxing for so long. Um, but the stuff takes it out of you. The stuff really, really kills you. And you need to love it. You need to really have a passion for it um, or have a passion for your family or whatever because um, you're coming from a very, a very tough background um, to want to basically make something of yourself in boxing. So there's this guy called Joe Lewis. Um, Joe Lewis was... I was watching this documentary and he used to basically... His mum would send... He was the youngest of eight children. So, you know, literally, like, the last bit of money that they had left over would be what's given to Joe Lewis. And his mum used to give him a little bit of money, or I think it might have been his grandma, to go take violin lessons. So he's taking violin lessons, and one day, one of his brethren is like, yo, that's a, that's a sissy thing to do. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Go, go and box. Um, so this guy takes the money, and for the next few months after that, instead of taking it to violin practice, he's going to boxing, and he's paying the boxing coach with that, right? Until... One day, his um, violin teacher went to his grandma. She's like, oh, what happened to my student? I've not seen him in a while. And she's like, what would you mean? I've been sending him over here. And that's kind of when two, two came together. She found out that he was doing boxing and he, and he loved it. And he was good at it as well. So Joe Lewis was what, six foot three, six foot four, built like a brick shit house as well. Um, you know, the man, he was an absolute, he was like a force of nature. He was a heavyweight, but he could punch with the accuracy and the speed of someone who, who was in two or three weight classes below him. And now what was amazing about Joe Lewis was the fact that this guy rised into the ascendancy and he got to where he was um, at a time where America hated black people to the point his trainer, uh, who, he was also a black guy, he was amazing and he couldn't, he wasn't allowed to fight white people in his prime. When he was boxing, he wasn't allowed to fight white fighters. He was only allowed to fight other black people. And that's why he could never ever make it into a title fight. They, wouldn't, they weren't offering black people title fights. Uh, and that was all because of another guy who came maybe 10 or 15 years before him. Um, and this guy was literally the, the mirror image of what white America hated at the time. He was a massive black guy. He was extremely, like, he would brag. This guy was a total G fam. I was watching his videos. He would knock white guys out, laugh at them, point at them, flaunt his wealth. Um, you know, he, he had all sorts of white girlfriends. Like, he was literally, his whole existence was like he was there to piss off white people. That's literally why he was there. And because of this man, they, they were very determined. We can't have another guy. He, he epitomised um, to them what would happen if you get a black man in a position of power or privilege. If you give this guy opportunity, this is what he will do. 
and <clears throat> and the man came and um you know 20 years later you know finally they started to kind of lower the requirements a little bit this is what 1930 this is a long time ago guys this is 1937 38 something like that right and he starts boxing and he he's he's a very talented fighter, do you know what I'm saying to you? He can he knocks everyone out. He's got like twenty-six fights, twenty-six knockouts at this point. He's just starching through everyone. And um he's about to fight this guy called Max Schmeling. He's a German guy. Um and this is around about the same time as a guy called Adolf Hitler who who was coming up. And they actually made it so that by the way, they made it so that um whenever Joe Lewis was fighting, because they didn't want a repeat of the last black guy who was a champion. If he punches a white guy, he can't look happy. He's not allowed to smile. You're not allowed to put your hand up. You've got to be very humble. Um, you're not allowed to trash talk in the media. None of that. Like, they were they were censoring him left, right, and center, telling him you're not allowed to do anything, right? Uh, so this man, you know, he's knocking everyone out. And to a lot of black people, by the way, at, at that point in time, it just became like, oh, Joe Lewis is fighting. Everyone is sat by the radio listening because he was the very, very first example of showing black people in America what what they are capable of and what they can do when they have opportunity. Do you get me? When when opportunity is presented to them. Because people need that. You need a role model. Um, it's the same thing we're talking about nowadays. Is, you know, when, when there's a lot of crime and shit going on and people following the wrong footsteps. Um, we need examples of people that we can point at and say, you know, this is what you can achieve with opportunity. So go and look for your opportunity and go and, go and fight for it and believe in it. Because... Um, even though, you know, your logical brain knows that if you if you work hard, you can get to places or whatever, there's a part in your head that would kind of be like, you know what, it's not possible because I've not seen it before. What am I going to be the first? Joe Lewis was that first, right? So this man came and he fought um, Max Schmeling and there was a fundamental flaw in his boxing game where... Like, they have this thing where box boxing guys, basically, they watch what you do, and if you've got a certain tendency, let's say, for example, you throw your right arm, and as soon as you throw your right arm, your left arm goes down a little bit. <clears throat> if that's a tendency that you repeat, then that, that becomes a chink in your arm, and that becomes a thing that people can exploit. So his opponent, Max Schmeling, noticed something like that in Joe Lewis's game. He noticed that when he did a certain thing, his right arm would drop and it, it, it left him wide open, exposed. So all he had to do was time it right, wait for his right arm to drop and boom, he can hit him with it. And he did that a few times to the point, you know, Joe Lewis eventually got knocked out. Eventually what happened was, um, you know, Joe Lewis finally lost his first fight. It was like everyone, there was a mood in the air at the time where everyone was like, this was our, he was our guy, he was our hope, and he got knocked out. You know, it, it was literally like the whole of, of, of black America was basically getting knocked out at that point. And people were very smug about the fact that Joe Lewis was lost. And then what happened was stuff turned around for him a little bit. So he had a few more fights, finally worked his way up to a title fight, and he became world champion. And when he became world champion, the um, they came to interview him and they asked him, you know, how does it feel to be the champion of the world? And he said, not yet not until I beat that man. He couldn't even say his name. That's how that's how the pride and, and, and the the honour that was there in him. He didn't want to say his name out loud. He said, not until I beat that man. And they finally arranged the rematch and at this point it's like nineteen thirty eight. It's like four months from World War Two. This Hitler guy is spouting all this Aryan race stuff off. Like when he first came he was very like he was considered he was a bit of a joke, do you get me? Like people seeing him as, as a funny character, not a dangerous guy. At this point, he was very much a dangerous guy. He was a guy that was saying, we are the superior race. 
um, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed Germans. We are the best. We are we are the forces of nature. Everyone else is inferior. And he took Max Schmeling under his wing and he said, you know, this fight that will be happening in a few in a few weeks or whatever, that is a fight that's gonna that's gonna prove my point and that's gonna show the world how inferior everyone else is. And that was the point where America was up until that point, America wanted Joe Lewis to lose again and again and again. At that point, someone else came into the equation. And for the first time in history, um, you had all the white people, obviously for, the, for their own self-interest and for their own reasons. But all of the white people in America, all of the black people in America were rooting behind Joe Lewis, you know, go and, go and knock this guy out. And this was the weight that was on this man's shoulder. There was, you know, there was a world war that was about to kick off. There was a guy uh, uh, saying that, you know, your race is inferior. Um, you, not only is your race inferior, your whole country is inferior. Americans are shit, basically. Um, which is true, Americans are shit. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, so that, that's what he was saying. And that's, what, that's what's going through this guy's mind at that point in time when he's walking down when he's training for that fight when he's you know doing all this stuff that's what's going through his mind i've got literally the weight of the world on his damn shoulders and he walked down um the fight finally happened this guy trained harder than he ever did and he he repaired the issue that was causing him to get knocked out and he knocked him out in one round which is which is crazy shit now the whole point of this my man the boxing trainer was saying that is a great fight a fight where it's not just boxing, it's real life. When this shit transcends sport and it becomes real life. And it ties into what, um, there's a football player called Hector Bellerin who recently said, we are footballers, we should be, um, we should be the ones that are, are telling people about social issues. We should be the ones that are championing uh, causes. And a lot of people are just like doing this whole thing where it's like, you know, just shut up and sing, just shut up and play football. And like, you know, politics isn't, isn't for you. But that isn't true because... There is a lot that you can reach. There's a lot that you can influence. And it's the same thing across the board. It's the same thing when, you know, when you're sending out a tweet, when you are um, making a rap song, when you're doing whatever it is, more than anything, you are sending out an image about yourself and about how people should be behaving. And you are also sending out an image to the youngers to say to them, you know, this is how you should grow up to be. Because whether you are saying it with your mouth and literally saying those words or whether you're not doesn't make a difference people will watch you and take you as some sort of role model so um yeah i mean absolutely i think people have got some sort of responsibility to speak um you know even even with music like i get i get the fact that it's music and i can probably listen to it i'm 25 and it still affects me in some way when i hear when i hear a drill song that's kind of mad you know, I'm liking it, but it makes me want to go and fight someone. Do you know what I'm saying to you? I can, I can just about keep it on the wraps now. What if a 14 year old listen to this? What if a 13 year old listen to this? Like, I'm hearing this shit, and I'm thinking, if I, if I was back, like, if this was out way back then, I don't know how I would have turned up. At the same time, it is a bit of a catch twenty two because, do does the music reflect the streets? Does do the streets reflect the music? Uh, you know, what came first, the chicken and the egg? At the same time, this is maybe the route out for a lot of these guys. Yes. I do get it, but I don't know if, especially a lot of the older guys, I can get it maybe if you're a little bit younger and you don't understand. But a lot of the older guys who are still perpetuating this nonsense, it's it's damaging to the community. Do you get me? That's what it is. Um, there was another thing about the guy who invented the milli rock, two milli. Um, so obviously, 
I don't know if you guys know the game. There's a game called Fortnite. You must have heard about it unless you were living under a rock. But Fortnite is like a shooter game. It's literally taking the world by storm. Anyone between the ages of like 11 to about 17, 18, I don't know, like 11 plus, not even 18, just plus. Everyone is playing it. People have gone mad with it. And they've started to incorporate um, pop cultural references in in like the celebration. So when you kill someone, I think anyway, when you kill someone, you can do like a little dance to say, you know, I killed you or whatever. Um, and one of them's like, they've got the Millie Rock, they've got the shooter dance, they've got, you know, they've got bare things and they make people pay for these dances. So they're actually making money. So if you want your character to do a Millie Rock after you kill someone, you have to pay money to get that dance move. So these men are monetizing that Two Millie, the rapper who invented the Millie Rock, it's literally named after the guy. It's called the Millie Rock. The whole thing started when my mom was saying, like, uh, I'm Millie Rock on any block. That's how the song goes. I'm Millie Rock on any block. He made the name up. He did a dance in his video. He named it after himself. Like, there was no other way to rubber stamp this dance. Do you get me? Like, it's like Soldier Man calling himself the Superman. Do you get me? That's how deep this shit is. And, um, yeah, they don't want to give him a penny. But apparently it's because... They treat individual dance moves as as like individual words. So you can't copyright a word, for example, just as you can't copyright an individual dance move. You can you can copyright something that you've choreog choreographed. So um, a sequence of like a sequence of dance moves added together to make a, a step. So I don't know, maybe this maybe the soldier boy dance. Maybe he can trademark the soldier boy dance. I don't know. But you can trademark like a whole dance, you can't trademark just one move. That's the whole idea behind it. But I think they should be getting money, to be honest, because, like, <clears throat> who are Fortnite to be to be out here making money off what 2 milli did? That's bullshit. Do you get me? But, yeah, um, I think that concludes the episode. It's been a good 22 minutes. I had a few more things I wanted to say, but I'll leave it here and leave it to the next episode. So, um, yeah, last thing before I leave, guys, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Also, do send me some scenarios, information, Anything that you think is is interesting that, that I can go over because yeah I wanna I wanna laugh at some funny shit um, yeah enjoy the rest of your week.